today comes from Luke 13, 10 through 17. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is easy to get caught up in the rules of everything that we do. This is the way that this is always done. There are strict boundaries around what this is supposed to be. Sabbath is supposed to be a day of no work. I mean, of course, I'll untie the donkeys and, you know, we will travel to the synagogue. And of course, somebody will put food on the table, but it won't be me. So I'm observing Sabbath, so it's fine. We get legalistic so quickly. This is exactly how it is supposed to be and how it is always supposed to be. And instead, I want to invite us this morning to think about what living into Sabbath can feel like. If it is a day of rest and liberation, can it be a day of healing for some? Can it be a day of service to others? What your healing and your restoration looks like is going to be different for each and every one of you, and it's going to be different from week to week. There might be a day when your Sabbath is going to be sitting on your couch watching old episodes of TV, and that is blessed and that is good, or at least I hope it is. And then there are going to be days when your Sabbath is out and you're in your community and you're serving and you're caring and that is feeding your soul. It is giving you restoration. Something that happens a lot when clergy gather is that inevitably somebody, a district superintendent or a bishop, will stand up and they'll tell you about the importance of rest and Sabbath. Clergy love to ask each other, when is your Sabbath day? And it's good, and it's an important reminder. But I found myself getting increasingly frustrated when I would sit through these twice-a-year talks about the importance of Sabbath. And people would say, it's so important. What your Sabbath should look like is a day for you to be away. Spend it in silence and in meditation. Go hiking. Go running. Go for a long drive in the desert all by yourself. And I realized a few things. One, 
that every clergy in the gathering except for me was a severe introvert, and two, that all of them were married with children. And so for them, Sabbath restoration was absolutely getting away from everyone and talking to no one. For me, the single woman who lived alone, who was also an extrovert, if I didn't go into the office for a few hours a day, if we didn't have visitors in the office, I found that I could go from Sunday to Sunday without talking to anyone else. It is not restorative for me at all to draw away by myself, unless it's to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. But for the most part, what feeds my soul is not going to look like what feeds the soul of a mom who is overstimulated by five kids all wanting her attention. And I remember being told once that my Sabbath wasn't adequate, that I wasn't resting and restoring properly. And as I looked at the district superintendent who said that to me, and I said, wow, you sound a lot like a Pharisee right now. <laughs> I also began to understand why maybe sometimes people said I had a problem with authority. <laughs> but I think there is a, a, an important work that has to be done about Sabbath. And so I went to a workshop and it was about a lot of things around the best practices for leading a church, but they really focused on Sabbath, and I kind of immediately was resistant. But I'm glad that I stayed and fully invested in this workshop. The guest lecturer was Reverend Lynn Bob, who's the author of the book Sabbath Keeping. And she talked to us about how she fell in love with Sabbath. She wasn't really aware of how much Sabbath was a thing until she and her husband lived in Israel for three years. Every week, the city would shut down for 24 hours. This was before the internet, and so they didn't have a car, and they didn't have a car or television there, so they had to embrace the Sabbath or be really bored and annoyed for a day every week. And so they learned to embrace the rhythm of Sabbath. And it wasn't until they moved back to the United States that they realized how beneficial that observation actually was. Pastor Lynn writes, we decided we'd continue to eliminate options one day a week, even if the American culture didn't eliminate them for us. We decided on Sunday for our Sabbath, we'd begin with worship at church, then we'd do the kind of things we did in Israel, walk, read, play a song, get together with friends. My husband decided not to prepare for work on Sundays. We would do house projects repairs and errands on Saturday, because Sunday would be free from work. We'd refrain from shopping on Sundays, both to limit our options and to help prevent others from having to work on Sundays. I decided not to do housework, laundry, grocery shopping, or any other household tasks on Sundays. I did cook, because it brings me joy, and so we could have friends over for meals. In the beginning, she said, she didn't know anyone else practicing the Sabbath in any kind of intentional way. But since then, interest has grown, and she's become the local expert on Sabbathing. In her book, she shared an interaction she had with a friend after church 
Her friend asked her what she thought about doing a hobby on Sundays. She wondered if scrapbooking was okay on a Sabbath. And Reverend Bob's response to her friend is, I think, the most important advice about finding your Sabbath. She said, as long as it stays relaxing, it's fine. As soon as it becomes work, or as soon as you absolutely need to get it done, then stop doing it on Sundays. Make sure it is a satisfying thing to do. As soon as something becomes compulsive, as soon as we're doing it because we want to get it done, or because it's a rule, or because it's just how it's always been done, then we need to stop doing it on the Sabbath. God has given us a day to rest, a day of just space, to leave behind our duties and to seek out God. In the Bible reading for today, we hear about Jesus healing a woman on the Sabbath. And again, the religious leaders lose their minds about it a little bit, but Jesus reminds them and us that receiving God's healing is exactly what Sabbath is about. Ceasing from obligations for 24 hours is meant to bring us healing, and we don't get to decide what someone else's obligations are. For the woman, receiving healing was her Sabbath. And for Jesus, offering it was his. We are meant to linger in the richness and joy of life as we linger alongside God. Because it's in that lingering that we find our healing and our wholeness. I was a student who would stay up all night before a test studying. And despite me being convinced that this was the best way for me to learn, as it turns out, it is not, in fact, beneficial at all. If you don't give your brain the time it needs to sort information, to make those connections in the synapse, you won't be able to remember a single thing you spent all night studying. It's far better to read over the most important things and give your brain the eight hours of sleep it needs to organize and store the information. And this is what Sabbath is doing for our souls. It is a time for us to reorder and to reconnect. And whether we're talking about a good night's sleep or a Sabbath rest, it does not happen by accident. We have to create time and we have to create space for Sabbath. We've got to curate our schedules and our homes to allow for Sabbath to happen. There's a woman who I pops up when I am watching my social media who has a Friday or Thursday night, Friday morning ritual of making the bread for her Friday night feast and for Saturday with her family. And so every week I watch her ritual of preparing the challah so that when Sabbath comes, she can rest. She creates the ritual to create the rest. She does the work to create that space for rest. The woman who Jesus healed on the Sabbath didn't just accidentally bump into Christ on her way to the market. She had to go to the synagogue and seek him out. She had to plan to be away from home that day. She had to do her housework another time. She had to pack a snack and make the trip to the synagogue. She had to go and sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his teachings. 
She had to be paying attention to hear Jesus when he called her forward. And she had to get up and go to him to receive the healing she'd been waiting for for 18 years. She had to make the time and space for Jesus, but when she did, he was there with exactly what she needed the most. So what do we do? I really like to have the exact answers to something. And so in this first session on Sabbath, I was writing notes upon notes, hoping that I would be given the exact formula for how to Sabbath correctly. And in her book, Pastor Lynn shares a variety of suggestions, but unfortunately, no formula. And she even says, I write these suggestions with fear and trembling. If they create in you a sense of obligation, then I will have defeated the very purpose of the Sabbath. If the various possibilities, worship, candles, festive meals, prayers, walks, special games, and so on, become one more way to be successful or productive, another burden to carry, then the spirit of the Sabbath will be violated. She adds, as you read these suggestions for activities to do on the Sabbath, pick one or two to start with, three at most. Try them for three to six months, then perhaps try something else. Experiment lightly. Be gentle with yourself. The Sabbath is about resting in God. It's not about feeling obligated to do something more. And so throughout this series, I have been encouraging us to start exploring things that help quiet our minds and open our hearts to God's presence. And so now I will invite you to pick a day when you try to embrace the spirit of Sabbath. For most people, Sundays don't actually work. I know for me, you all might, I don't know, be disappointed if I decided I'm no longer gonna work on Sundays. I don't know that that would work well. Try to think of it as a 24-hour period, not just a day. Decide on a start time, perhaps Saturday night, and do something small just to mark the beginning of your Sabbath. You can set an email auto-response away message. In the Jewish tradition, they light two candles, say a prayer, and eat a celebratory meal. Pastor Lynn says she lights a candle to mark the beginning of her Sabbath. And she lets it burn while they're awake and in the house for the whole 24-hour period as a reminder that it's okay to linger. She also says, I attempt to start the day in a way that differs from my normal routine. On the Sabbath, I wake up slowly and spend time lying in bed staring into space, luxuriating in the fact that I don't have to produce anything for a whole day. And I try to spend the whole day attuned to beauty we can engage our senses doing just about anything. If I need to drive somewhere on the Sabbath, I drive more slowly than usual, noticing trees and clouds, interesting architecture, and people walking or jogging on the sidewalk. Good Sabbath keeping includes both praying and playing. Prayer without play can denigrate into a dutiful, cheerless religion. Play without prayer can be a mind-numbing escape. For me, this is the key to Sabbath. It's not just a mindless escape from reality. It is not, in fact, just binge-watching a show for eight hours. But I have to remember to balance play 
with prayer. There has to be some time for thought and awareness of God. We are so lucky here that we have things like the green belt, where you can have a leisurely brunch at a wonderful restaurant and then spend your day walking, riding your bike, sitting on a bench and watching the river. We have so many ways around us in this beautiful place that we live to invite in that awareness of God. In her book, Pastor Lynn shared that a rabbi she knew said his congregation wanted specifics about what they should do and shouldn't do on the Sabbath. He used three questions to determine whether an activity was suitable. Does it promote rest and relaxation? Does it bring delight and enjoyment? Does it give you a sense of holiness and sanctity? As I continue to work on practicing Sabbath, and for me in this new season, really reforming when and how I can take Sabbath. My, sun, my Sunday used to be my Sabbath. I had a beautiful ritual and routine down. And I have to adjust that now, and that is good and holy as well. But I know for me, disconnecting from my technology is my key to relaxing and delighting. I try not to use my computer I find myself still reaching for my phone just as often. And so I need to leave it somewhere. That is my next hope, is to just start leaving it, to help quiet my mind and open my heart. True relaxation and restoration on the Sabbath requires preparation. So make a plan, my friends. Pick a Sabbath day. Choose one or two things to do to make it special. And set some goals of what you won't do, like checking email or going shopping. Make your plan and preparations with the spirit Sabbath in mind, knowing that grace abounds for us. And if there's anything I've learned from working on this Sabbath stuff, it's that you've got to go easy on yourself. It's so countercultural, but it takes time to learn this new rhythm to life. It takes practice. And so please start practicing because as we learn to Sabbath, I know we will receive the renewal and healing and the joy and peace that this relationship with God can bring. I hope my friends that you are up for this challenge, that you begin to reset your pattern, not with rules, but with joy and with restoration. Amen.